I almost hate to hear him stop playing. Man. But we've come up to the time of preaching. And I'm so thankful to God to be able to introduce to you this preacher extraordinaire. He is a teacher of preachers. Uh, you got to be able to preach, to teach preachers how to preach. I thank God for his presence in my personal life. Though I didn't sit in enough of his classes, enough of it rubbed off on me to know that there's so much technical skill associated with preaching that many folk don't know about. But I'm sure he'll agree with me if I say that none of that means anything if you don't have the Holy Spirit with you. You can be technically proficient and spiritually deficient which means you don't get to help folk like they need to be helped. He's neither, he's not deficient. I can tell you that right now. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited like field trip morning in school. <laughs> I'm excited. He hails from the western part of our county, Dolomite, Pleasant Grove, and he slipped over to the Gardendale area for a little while and finish school over there because them folk in Pleasant Grove act like they didn't appreciate black folk enough. Yeah. He is a long-time pastor. Over 30 years of pastoring. Six years at Oakwood. 24 and a half years at New Zion Bessemer. He is well regarded, eminently respected in preacher circles in Birmingham, previous president of the Birmingham Baptist Ministers Association. Right now he's in retirement from pastoring, but he's still helping his son who's pastoring in Montevallo. He can speak for himself. You would raise your right hand and say after me, Pastor Reese, preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Amen. Amen. Present the gospel of our Lord Jesus the Christ, 
We pray now, Lord, that you would feed me, fix me, and fit me for this preaching task. Now let the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, you are my strength, and you are my redeemer. In Jesus' precious and perfect name, I do pray. Amen. Let the church say amen, amen to this distinguished pastor, Pastor Sparks, and to the other ministers of the gospel, to the officers, and to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I am just deliciously delighted to be here, and I thank God for your pastor, and I thank God for blessing him to be your pastor these 15 years. And I'm also excited to have my wife here with me for 43 plus years. Amen. 40 years, 43 years ago, she asked me to marry her, and I said yes. <laughs> Amen. extraordinary gift. Um, he is a man of great he is a man of great value, great virtue, and great vision. He loves you. And we thank God for allowing me to cross trails with your pastor. Pastor Sparks do not come by the dozen, but every now and then God drops in the history of our time a Pastor Sparks. He certainly deserves your very best, and we thank God that he has placed him here to lead you to higher heights. And I'm also so proud to see a great young man Brother Reginald Yarborough. Amen. Reginald is such a jewel. Yes, And he is certainly an extraordinary gift in his own right. And um, gr grateful to see his mom here, who's a blessing at New Zion. Amen. So the Lord is doing wonderful things in his life. Amen. Amen. And then I want to thank your pastor for that kind introduction. You know, after you hear an introduction like that, kind of feel like the speaker's on the house floor. Mr. Speaker, I yield the remainder of my time. Sometimes it's just good to quit while you're ahead. Things sometimes are not what they seem. Um, kind of remind of a young man who had missed his mother's birthday, so he decided to send her a belated birthday gift. So he went down to one of the rare bird shops and bought his mother a bird that spoke five languages. He had it shipped to her, and after some time, he called to see how she was enjoying that bird. He said, Mama, she said, Yes, son. 
I said, are you enjoying that bird? She said, oh, yes, son, that bird was delicious. <laughs> he said, mama, 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 you weren't supposed to eat that bird. And of course, I spent a lot of money for that bird, and that bird spoke five languages. She said, well, he should have spoken up. <laughs> Amen. So after that kind of introduction, it makes one reluctant uh, to speak up. Fifteen years. You see, pastor's appreciation is a spiritual event. It honors the pastor, but it also shines the light on the heart and health of the church. It brings Christians together to partner with the pastor. It also reflects the character and conduct of the church by giving honor to whom honor is due and by bonding together in the work of the Lord. In Pastor Sparks, you are blessed with one of the brightest minds and gift in any Christian setting, a preacher of the gospel. And like the eagles, he has learned how to fly solo. He has poured his life into so many here. And as James Keller would often say, a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. Amen. Even, even Gatorade shouts sometimes. <laughs> Thank you, sister. Your pastor has given sacrificial service and remained faithful and firm these 15 years. His accomplishments are highlighted, highlighted here at this church, and therefore, he deserves your very best and to do it twice according to the scriptures. I want to just call your attention to 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 4, and I want to lift verse 2. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I just want to lift verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, and I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. And it reads, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And so reads the word of the Lord. I want to talk today about the preacher's charge. The preacher's charge. There was a poem written some years ago by Dr. Benjamin E. Mays entitled God's Minute. And in that poem he wrote, I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it, Forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny minute, but eternity is in it. How do you help people who refuse to obey God's word? People, sometimes with no sense of God 
consciousness. People who are attempting today um, to throw away their tradition, the bridge that brought them over. You see, I think people have confused the difference between tradition and traditionalism. For you see, tradition is the living faith of the dead, but traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. If you don't know your history and its heritage, then you'll walk blindly into your future. Is the gospel of Christ worth hearing today? Does it give you hope? And what is hope? Hope is faith in the future tense. Hope is confident expectation. God asks Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, Now, Lord, you are the only one who knows. And God said to him, Preach to the bones and say, Hear God's word. Now, you would have to be insane to preach to a boneyard. But you see, the word of God and the spirit of God works together. And most of what we have in many of our churches are boneyards. See, a dry bone today is anybody that has no spiritual attachment to God. Anybody with a broken fellowship. And why is preaching so important? Because it gives people hope. Because man is a sinner and preaching is God's means of saving the lost. And when, you see, when Adam sinned in the garden, God moved out. And when God moved out, Adam died immediately in his spirit. He died progressively in his soul. He died ultimately in his body. When Adam sinned in the garden, he became spiritually depraved, no Lord. He became spiritually dead, no light. He became spiritually darkened, no light. When Adam sinned in the garden, now his spiritual transmitter has gotten jammed. His mind has become a pack of weeds. His will is now corrupt and paralyzed. Now rather than becoming the master of the house, he became the household slave. He moved from spiritual to natural, from God-centered to self-centered. And now the heart beating his chest began the muffled drum beating a funeral march to the grave. How can Adam get himself out of this jam? Now notice what he does. He he and Eve sold fig leaves as a means of covering their nakedness. You see, the fig leaves was a human effort of f- trying to find your way into the grace of God. It was a picture of human works, human effort. You see, the fig leaves could conceal, but the fig leaves could not cover. What God had to do is move him out of Genesis 3 and 7, the fig leaves covering and moving down to Genesis 3.21 where God had to butcher an animal and that animal had to shed blood because the Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. Why is preaching so important? Because the preacher's role is to speak truth to power. 
to rally the soldiers of Jesus Christ to march against discrimination and injustice. When we march, we affirm our resolve to dignity. When we march, we exercise one of the great freedoms we have, and that is the right to protest for the right. It was Jesse Jackson who said, when we march, we motivate. When we march, we educate. When we march, we expand the public debate. We alter the environment. When we march, we inspire. When we march, we raise hope to new levels. When we march together in coalition with determination driven by the moral imperative, we almost always win. Preaching is a dialogue, you see, between pulpit and pew. It is a call and response. It is a talk back, a feel back, and a think back. It's a talk back because the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It is a feel back because Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. It's a think back because the Bible said, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. This second epistle to Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul, and the return address on the envelope was the Roman city jail. Only Paul writes. Y'all still with me, aren't you? Paul here writes. He's in prison, but the prison is not in Paul. He is not having a pity party. He is not angry with God. He is not depressed. He is not feeling sorry for himself. For he has learned how to turn a prison predicament into a palace for preaching the gospel. He writes to Timothy, his son in the ministry, the most likely to succeed, the valedictorian of his class, an honor student who would be considered a first century Barack Obama or an Eric Michael Dyson or a Cornel West. This letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy is like treading on sacred ground, for it is the last word ever penned by Paul in Scripture. This is his last will and testament, his farewell address, his bon voyage, for he writes, come before winter, for only Luke is with me. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed to Thessalonica. The Greek scholar Kenneth West states that the Greek word forsaken, ek kata lepo, means to abandon. It means to desert. It means to leave in straits. It means to leave helpless. It means to leave in the lurch, to let one down. For you see, Demas was with Paul five years earlier when he wrote the epistle to the, to the church at Colossae, in chapter 4, verse 14 of Colossae. He started out well, but he perhaps did not want to become a martyr like Paul. He says, it's easy, you see, when one is with you when the sun is shining. But you really need somebody when you're in trouble when the darkness is draping, when your friends are like fleeting fugitives. Well, if you live in this life, we're all going to have some trouble. 
But I've learned in my short life that trouble is somewhat like hot weather in that it will sour milk, but it will sweeten apples. And so Paul writes, If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you also will appear with him in glory. You see, the implication was that Demas did not want to be a martyr, so he abandoned Paul in Rome just before he was executed. If this is the case, the allurement that enticed Demon was the pride of life. He valued his earthly life more than receiving the crown of life. He does not say if it is fame or fortune or the gratification of the flesh, but the fact that he forsook Paul was bad enough. And here Paul, he was getting ready to face um, the axeman. He can hear him sharpening the axe. He picks up his pen and begins to write to Timothy. He can hear the, the soldiers marching in rhythmic cadence. Left, right, left, right. And so Paul picks up his pen and he begins to write. I'm now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight like a soldier. I have kept the faith as a trustee. Y'all still with me? And so here Paul says to Timothy, when you come, bring the cloak, the philonase, the mantle or outer garment that I left at Troas with coppers. When thou comest, bring with thee the books but especially the parchment, the membrana, the writing materials that was prepared from the skin of sheep or goats. More than ever before, I believe in preaching as part of worship in the gathered church. There are always two parts to true worship. There is seeing God and there is savoring God. Dr. Evans once said, if you don't savor God when you see God, you insult God. Many of us insult God every Sunday. Because in our history and heritage, in fact, the Bible that we read here today, over 80% of it is God dealing with people of color. Y'all still with me today? That all of the Old Testament prophets were black people. And all of the writers of the New Testament, there were not one European. I know that blows your mind, but I'm giving you the facts. Y'all still with me? There was not one European present on the day of Pentecost. They were black people. And the gospel didn't leave Africa and go to Europe until they had the Macedonian call. Come over into Macedonia, over into Europe, and help us. And they took the gospel from Africa. Paul and Barnabas were, were, were ready to go. 
because they were ordained by some African leaders in Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. One name was Lucius. The other one name was Simeon, which was called, y'all still with me? Whose name was Niger, which is Latin for the black man. And Paul and Barnabas would have gone, but they fell out over John Mark. Because every time they got in a struggle or got in a hot situation, Mark wanted to go home to mama. So Paul said, now Barnabas, when we go over to Europe, we're not going to take John Mark. And Barnabas said, yes, we're going to have to take him because he's my relative. And Paul said, oh, no, we're not going to be fooling around with Mark on this missionary journey. And Barnabas said, oh, yes, we are. So they fell out. But God can always take a falling out, and he can do two things with it. Now he takes Paul and gets Silas and go over to Europe and share the gospel. And then he takes Barnabas and John Mark and send them to Cyprus to share the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. So they're down by the riverside. There was a woman there by the name of Lydia who was a seller of purple. Y'all still with me? And there was a jailer who got saved over in Europe. And Paul and Silas preached the gospel to them, and they got saved. Preaching, you see, is like those of you who've been around for a while. Preaching is like hog killing. In other words, when you look at a hog, you don't see spare ribs. You don't see rump roast. You don't see pork chops. You don't see sausage. You don't see chitterlings. Preaching is, is exposition, it is exegesis, it is to open up the text. You see, it's, you have to cut the hog open, and then you discover pork chops and spare ribs and rump roast and ham and sausage and chitterlings. Y'all still with me? You see, preaching is, y'all ought to help me. Preaching is the conveyance of a person through a person to a company of persons. The preacher, your pastor, is God, as according to Dr. Robert Smith, is God exegetical escort. And it is his responsibility to escort you into the presence of the Lord for spiritual transformation. Yeah, preaching comes from that word caruso, which means to herald or to announce. It is talk back, think back, feel back experience. You see, your mind is like the hard drive on a computer, and therefore you have to download the, the software of the gospel of Jesus Christ on the hard drive of your mind. But those of you who have computers, you also know that you have to download an antivirus protection to keep you from picking up a virus and crashing your hard drive. In other words, when you come to church tipping and not tithing, it's because your hard drive has been crashed. Uh, Y'all ain't going to help me today. In other words, whenever one comes to church and have a difficulty, getting along with one another in the church who look like us is because our hard drives have been crashed. Somewhere along the way, we picked up an antivirus and brought it to church. 
and begin to crash some other hard drives. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what preaching is all about. It's more than a moral or psychological pep talk for God's people because there are some people around who are telling you all of this stuff. Go to the car dealership and take your oil and put the oil on your car. Now, if you put too much oil on that man's car, he's going to call the police and have you put in jail. It don't work like that. God is no cosmic genie. God is no lottery lord. God is a God who punishes sin, but he rewards faithfulness. And preaching, we preach salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, based on scripture alone. You see, preaching is expository, not suppository. Do I have a witness here? Because there are some people in the church who are constipated. That's what happened. Y'all going to help me today, aren't you? That's what happened at the church at Jerusalem when Jesus gave them that missionary mandate. But ye shall receive power after that. Ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, which was home base, and in all Judea and in Samaria and the othermost parts of the earth. And they got constipated in Jerusalem. They refused to move with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God had to send some working medicine in the form of persecution to drive them, except for the apostles, out of Jerusalem to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I know I ought to have a witness in here today that God has been good to you, that God has brought you through, that God has turned your life around, that God has kept your enemy at bay. Sometimes God have to give us some working medicine. In Romans chapter 116. Do I have a witness here? To help move our spiritual systems so we can impact the lives of other people. A man's life, as Guy McGowan, I've heard be through, says physical, mental, and spiritual is always a continuing process and never a finished product. You see, the value of life is not in its duration, but in its donation. You're not important because of how long you live. You are important because of how effective you live. When you obey God, you do not choose the assignment. The assignment chooses you. You see, preaching is theology on fire. And a theology which does not take fire, I maintain, is a defective theology or at least man's understanding of it is defective. See, preach the Old and the New Testament because the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. There was a young girl, after hearing and believing the gospel, became a Christian in an exciting revival at her church and was baptized the next Sunday. The afternoon, that afternoon, after running through the house singing and dancing because of the excitement of being saved, her sour grandfather rebuked her with these words. Now, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You just joined the church, 
and now you're singing and dancing on the Lord's day. Crushed that young girl. But the little girl went out of the house, went out to the barn, climbed up on the coral fence, and observed an old mule standing there with a sad, droopy face and bleary eyes. And she reached over and patted that old mule sympathetically and said, don't cry, old mule. I guess you just got the same kind of religion that grandpa has. <laughs> Do I have a witness here? Young girl and lean, leaning down on her knees, getting ready to pray at night before she went to bed. She said, God, we had a wonderful time at church, but I wish you had a bed here. You see, you see, that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. He's saying, preach the word. Don't play with it. Don't, don't pimp it. Don't, Y'all still with me? Don't pimp it. Don't, don't play with it, but preach it. And there are folk telling us today in a lot of places, they're telling us. They got folk who are running up to the stage and putting money on that. And all that does is it just leaves your pocket and goes in. Y'all going to help me today? But God don't play like that. He don't put you in no line. A $100 line, a $50 line, a $25 line, a $5 line. God don't do that. Because you don't shame people in the body of Christ. God can take care of him. He says, he gives him the charge. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Preach the word. Because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That word sound comes from the word which we get our English word hygiene from. Preach it. Clean it up. And don't try to rip people off. And don't prostitute the, poo the pews. But preach the gospel. And you ought not be ashamed of it. Preach it. Preach it. The word. And tell them who God is. God is who had no beginning and no end. He had a being in eternity before he had a beginning in time. He was the word before he made the world. He was infinite before he became a little infant. He who held the world in his arms was held in the arms of a frail woman. He who garmented space, whose house is the universe whose chariots are the clouds, was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Wouldn't that blow your mind? God in the ghetto. How high he was and how low he came. He was big enough to make the world and yet he could become small enough to get in it. Do I have a witness here? God who never gets in a jam. Do I have a witness here? Who took the sun like a golden medallion and hung it around the neck of the universe who gave the wind its breath and taught it how to whistle when it cut around corners who opened up y'all gonna help me today who opened up a Walgreens pharmacy on a dusty road and wrote a prescription for saliva and dust and made mud and put it on a man's eyes and told him to go wash your face 
and he came back singing, I can see so much, I can see so much what my God has done for me. Do I have a witness here? He's the same God. When the disciples was out on the lake and they got into a storm and Jesus was up on the mountain talking to his father and when he looked through his Christocentric gauge and saw those boys in trouble, Jesus stepped off the earth and stepped on the water and caught gravity by surprise. Do I have a witness here? And, and he never, I'm closing, and he never gets in a jam. When the internal revenue servant was hounding Jesus and his disciples, he told the disciples, boys, don't y'all get disturbed. One of you go down to the lake. I placed an ATM machine in a fish mouth. Go get the coin out of the fish mouth and go and sell up with the internal revenue service. Do I have a witness here? He's a bad dog. Do I have a witness here? He was on his way, the widow of Nain was on her way to bury her son. And Jesus came by and saw that mother crying and dropping tears in the dust. He looked at the mother. He looked at the dead boy. And Jesus said to the mother, and then looked at the dead boy. He said, boy, get up and go home and take care of your mama. I'm talking about my Jesus. Do I have a witness here? And when you preach, will I get in trouble? Yes. Preaching will get you in trouble. But God will get you out of trouble. Do I have a witness here? Will there be... Will there be, will there be any irritation and agitation in your life? Yes, but you see only the irritated oyster can produce the polished pearl. You see only the ag agitated strings of a violin can produce symphonic music. Do I have a witness here? It is when the rose get crushed that its fragrance is released into the atmosphere of life. It is when the tea bags become buddies with the hot water that the real value of the tea is experienced and exposed. I got to help somebody help me today. Do I have a witness here? I'm so glad that Jesus called me to preach. Do I have a witness here? It gets rough sometimes. It gets hard sometimes. Do I have a witness here? You get knocked down sometimes. But if you know Jesus, do I have a witness here? You know Jesus. They, they, they attempted to make fun of our Jesus when they hung him between two feet. Do I have a witness here? But notice what Jesus did. On Wednesday, he picked up a whip. On Thursday, he picked up a towel. But on Friday, he picked up a cross. Do I have a witness here? Somebody was wondering what's so precious about the cross. And all I can tell you is uh, that at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was right there by faith. I received my sight. I'm happy all the day. They hung in between two thieves. The rose of Sharon between two cactus plants. I wish I had a witness here. 
a, a spotless and innocent lamb between two snarling wolves. Heaven's nightingale between two puff adders. The bright and morning star between two dead lights. Do I have a witness here? But what Jesus did, uh, he died. Do I have a witness here? And then he went into a borrowed grave. Uh, and then he kicked the front door off the grave and turned it into a shotgun house where you can stand on the front and look all the way to the back and you have to testify he is not here but he is risen as he said all to have a witness here if the lord has been good to you if the lord have brought you through if you don't mind testifying uh, you ought to wave your hand I say, ain't he all right? Say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. Oh yeah. I knew he's all right. I know he's all right. I know he's all right. So you don't have to. Preaching gives you hope. Stay with the gospel. Keep holding on, but pastor. Keep holding on. Keep holding on. Just keep holding on. Keep holding on. We come now, the extended invitation to Christ. And you need to know, that they kept so much away from us. They whitewashed our history because they were working on your mind, what they call the perpetuation of the inferiority myth. To make you feel, hate yourself, to keep us divided. Every other race know where they come from. The Hispanics know where they come from. The Korean know where they come from. The Japanese know where they come from. The Chinese know where they come from. The North Koreans know where they come from. The Italians, they know where they come from. The Europeans know where they come from. But only us. But if you read Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 12, it'll tell you where you come from. In, eight, in 65 B.C., Pompey brought the Jews in under oppression, kept them there for 100 years when the Romans oppressed the Jews. And even during Jesus' preaching, when Jesus said, if they compare you to go one mile, go two miles. And then Vespasian, and his son Titus, when Jesus had predicted that Jerusalem would be destroyed in A.D. 70, they attempted to slaughter all of the Jews, but one million of them fled over into Africa. They stayed in Africa for 1,600 years, and it was then that the Portuguese, the Arabs, the Europeans, and the Africans rounded them up and sold them into slavery in the four corners of the earth. 
And there was only one tribe that was sold into slavery, and that was the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah was the only tribe that was sold into slavery. During Jesus' time, and when you talk to some of the other people, you ask them to give you one name of a European writer of the Bible. Tell them, give you one name. Can't do it. Because it didn't go to Europe until Acts 16. At midnight, Paul and Silas sang praises, prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now you got it over into Europe. So don't let them rip you off of your rich history and your rich heritage. The door is open that you are somebody. You are somebody. Apollos that you read about in the Bible was an African trained at the University of Egypt in Egypt from the school of Alexandria, Egypt, Apollos. The three major figures in the Bible, Moses and Joseph and Paul, all three was mistaken for African. You'll find Moses in Exodus 2 and 19 mistaken for an African. Joseph in Genesis chapter 42 and then Paul in Acts chapter 21 verse 37 and 38 Paul was mistaken for an Egyptian. You know Egypt was Africa. It was first referred to as Kemet, and then the Greeks changed it from Kemet and named it Egypt. They were black people. The door is open. The door is open. The door is open. Don't put it off. The door is open. May there be another. This is your hour. You have to know that you are somebody. That you are unique. And God loves you just the way you are. The door is open. The door is open. May there be another.